Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. into the word of the Lord to the book of Genesis, book of Genesis chapter 25, and then I want to read some verses in 26, but I want to say again that I really feel that these few nights that we're going to have Brother Lambeth here starting next Sunday morning. Sunday night and then Monday and Tuesday very very important services and uh, as you already know from hearing him minister in the past a man that is just really sensitive to God and lives in that dimension and uh, a lot of times missionaries living on foreign soil in the front lines if you will and especially with uh, having visited the country of Brazil, I have a better understanding of just what it means to be out there on the ragged edge. I've been to other countries, but I don't know that I've ever been to one that I felt so much uh, spiritual darkness and depravity and um, just uh, spiritual opposition than there. But yet in the midst of all of this, uh, Brother Lambeth and the work has grown and flourished and there's just a great mighty church there in Brazil not just a one local assembly but many many scattered across that area of Brazil the works that they lead and and uh, just had a opportunity to be in a camp with them and experience just a little bit of that and so I'm excited about brother Lambeth being here with us and so let's prepare our hearts for what God wants to do, and let's all be here in those services That's, uh, this next week. Praise God. Of course, we have prayer meeting Tuesday night and Wednesday night Bible study. I want to look at a couple of verses beginning in chapter 25 of Genesis. We'll start with verse 5. And Abraham gave all that he had unto Isaac. And Abraham gave all, everybody say all, that he had unto Isaac. But unto the sons of the concubines which Abraham had, Abraham gave gifts and sent them away from Isaac his son while he yet lived eastward unto the east country. And then I want to begin with verse 1 and 26 of um, Genesis, Genesis 26 and verse 1. And there was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abram or Abraham. And Isaac went in unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gear. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go down into Egypt and dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. And let's jump down to verse 12 and then Isaac sowed in that land now we just got through reading in verse 1 that there was a famine yet Isaac the Bible said sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold and the Lord blessed him and the man waxed great 
and went forward and grew until he became very great. So he wasn't just blessed to be great, but as time went on, he became very great, very established in the things of God and the blessings of God. For he had possession of flocks and possession of herds and great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. You know the Philistines is an enemy. The enemy envied him. And all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. And then we'll resume reading in verse 28. And Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. And the herdsmen of Gear did strive with Isaac's servants, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Isaac, because they strove with him. And they digged another well and strove for that also, and he called the name of it Sitnan. And he removed from thence and digged another well. And for that they strove not. And he called the name of it Rehoboth. And he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. And he went up from thence to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared unto him in the same night. And said, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee, and will bless thee and multiply thy seed for thy servant, for my servant Abraham's sake. And he built an altar there, and called on the name of the Lord, and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants digged a well. And then, if you read on a little bit in that story, it says in verse 26, then. Abimelech went to him from Gear, and then down just a little bit further in the scripture, it tells us that he basically went to him and said, I want to make a covenant with you. He said, let there be now an oath between or betwixt us, even betwixt us and thee, and let us make a covenant with thee that thou will do us no harm, and we have not touch thee as we have done unto thee nothing but good and have sent thee away in peace thou art now the blessed of the Lord and uh, he made them a feast and they did eat and drink and they arose up betimes in the morning and swear one to another and Isaac sent them away and they departed from him in peace these were people that had strove with him, resisted him, been in opposition to him, but now peace has come to Isaac. And so I want to use these verses of Scripture to preach to you this thought. Keep digging until the devil leaves you alone. Keep digging until the devil leaves you alone. Why don't you turn around somebody and say that. Keep digging until the devil leaves you alone.
Oh, now let's lift up our voices to the Lord and let's pray for God of heaven to anoint us the remainder of our service. Jesus, we need you. We need your touch. We need the help of your spirit. We're praying, God, for your mighty anointing to rest upon us here tonight. We need you, God, to move in every part of this service. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd move in our altar service. Help us to respond appropriate to your word. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Would you clap your hands again to the Lord and give him praise? Hallelujah. You may be seated. Keep digging until the devil leaves you alone. Well, I want to I kind of go back here and set a stage and maybe a little bit of a, of a foundation for where we're headed tonight in the Word of God. There is no question when you read through the Bible concerning the life of Abraham that this was a man of faith. And I know for most of us that have been around the church, that seems pretty elementary because we know this to be his legacy. That is what he has a reputation for being, is a man of faith. In fact, we call him the father of the faithful. And when you think about faith and when you trace the lintage of faith through the people of God back and you, you think of the very first pa- uh, person that exhibited faith, you obviously think of this patriarch by the name of Abraham, that how that God, when he called him out of the air of the Chaldees, that he without any reluctance at all, that he left his familiar place, and in faith he began to follow God. God did not tell him exactly uh, where he was going or even the details of what he was looking for, but he just told him that if he would follow him, that he would take care of him and that he would bless him. And he made some promises to Abraham, and Abraham trusted in the promises of God, And the Bible said that he staggered not at the promises of God. That's a tremendous thing when you can go through life's ups and downs, through all of the different challenges that you face in life, and in your walk with God, in your journey serving the Lord, you still, when it comes to the promises of God, you stagger not at them, but you hold on to your faith, you keep the faith, you keep believing God, you keep trusting the Lord, And such was this man, Abraham. We know that the heir of the Chaldees was a, uh, like many others in that society after the fall of uh, the Tower of Babel, that it was a pagan society. And it's even believed by some historians that that Abraham's father uh, was a man that was an idol maker. And uh, there's been a kind of a little... A legend that has went along with that. I don't know that it's true, and I certainly cannot prove it. It's not in the Scripture. But there's some that believe that and even wonder if he perhaps helped his father in the making of some of these idols. And perhaps it came to him one day, sort of like an epiphany, as he was fashioning one of these idols, that, that maybe, maybe this is all wrong. How can... Uh, a God be to me a real God if I had to fashion it, if I had to make it. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but I do know it's true. It's a dangerous thing when you worship a God that you make. 
Amen. It's a dangerous thing when you can control your God. It's a dangerous thing when you set something up in your life that you have created and that you have fashioned and that you have made and you position it to be a God in your life. And there's a lot of people. I know that a lot of times we have a hard time thinking of idol worshipers in terms of our society and the way that we live. But I'm going to tell you, even in the 21st century America, there's a lot of idol worship that is going on. And it's, and it's people that are constructing gods, whether it be another person, whether it be materialism, whether it be careers, education, whatever it is, they make it a God and they serve that God. And sometimes with more passion than we serve our God and more passion than we serve Jehovah God. Israel found out that this was not the right thing to do when they had created a golden calf that they could carry with them. I can't speak for you tonight, but I would much rather have a God that carried me than one that I had to carry, that would carry me through my troubles, that would carry me through my times of pain, carry me in my times of struggle, that would be there when I need him to be there for me. But it's a dangerous thing to come with a concept of come up with a concept of God that you have created that fits your mold, that is your idea, that is your fashioning, that is your definition. I found out walking with God that He isn't always like I want Him to be. He does not always respond to me as quickly as I want him to respond. He does not always answer the way that I want him to. He does not always answer me in my prayers as soon as I would like him to. I, I don't control my God. I, 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 can't, I can't manipulate my God. I can't force my God into a corner. Matter of fact, the prophet Isaiah said it this way. He said he's God all by himself. Amen. That means that he cannot be manipulated. He's not intimidated. That nothing I do is going to force God into a corner. I'm not going to make God do anything that he doesn't want to do. Sure, there is things that are set forth in his word that will influence God and that will help me in my relationship with God. And God will answer my prayers when I align myself to his word. I understand all of that. But God is not going to, his arm's not going to be twisted. Amen. He's not going to be pushed with his back against the wall but he is God all by himself so we have to be careful that we don't create a God that we can manipulate and that we can control because truly that's not a God that is worthy of being served amen can you say praise the Lord I'm just building a little foundation here tonight but God began to deal with Abraham and Abraham began to listen to God and he come to know Jehovah God and immediately God spoke to him and said get thee up and get thee out of your place of familiarity leave behind your kindred leave behind everything that is familiar to you and follow me in faith unto a land that I will show you. I, I'm not even going to give you a picture of it. I'm not going to show you what it is right now. But I want you just to follow me. And ladies and gentlemen, that takes faith to follow God when you can't see what you're pursuing all the time. 
when you don't know exactly how it's all going to turn out. You don't have it articulated exactly how it's going to be, but you just know that God is in control and God knows what's best. And if I'll follow him, he's going to lead me to an end that is blessed. He's going to lead me to a good place. He's going to take care of me on my journey. And in turn for following me, Abraham, I'm going to take care of you. You see, that's the awesome thing about this walk of faith, that if we'll stay in it and if we'll be obedient to God and if we'll trust him even when we don't understand, God will take care of us every step of the way. Amen. He'll work for us all along the way. Amen. We don't ever have to, we don't ever have to depend upon our own ingenuity and our own abilities as long as we're following God in faith. But if there's anything that arises to challenge us, amen, if we're following after God, if we're doing what God has commissioned us to do and we're being obedient to his word, God's going to take care of you. He's going to provide for you. He's going to protect you. He's going to watch over you. He's going to hear you. He's going to be there to respond to you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Turn me up just a little bit. Praise God. And so he said, I am going to bless you. And there are some conditions. You you have to follow me. And uh, I want you to also understand that uh, I am going to bless you on this journey I'm going to bless you, and, uh, and it's not just going to stop with that, but anybody that is a blessing to you, anybody that helps you in the midst of your journey, anybody that lends a hand to you, they are also going to be blessed. Oh, I could stay right there, camp out, and preach a long time about how you need to connect to people that are blessed people. You need to fellowship with people that are blessed. Don't find some loser. Don't find somebody that their life is going down the tubes and set them up as an example in your life to follow. Don't, 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 don't look to Hollywood for an example. Don't look to sports stars for an example. But find you a child of God that is blessed, that's lived for God, that's got some years and experiences in God under their belt, that God has blessed, that God has answered a few prayers for them, that God has raised them up and God has elevated them, God has anointed them. Let them be your hero. Let them be the person that influences your life. Amen. Praise God. Let's clap our hands to him and give him praise right now. It's amazing how people want to find duds to, to, to get behind and to follow. Somebody uh, that, that really doesn't have any corn in the crib. Maybe they've got a good personality, but they haven't really been through anything. They're, they're not proven. They, they don't have what it takes in longevity. Amen. I, I just want to tell you, you've got to follow somebody that's been down the trail a little bit, that's been through some trials, uh, that's been tested in their faith. He said, anybody that, that blesses you, I am going to bless them. If they connect with you, Abraham, that connection and them being in fellowship with you, is going to bring blessing to their life. But in turn, he said, anybody that curses you, I'm going to curse them too. I'm going to tell you, when you're a blessed child of God, you don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to worry about the naysayers. You don't have to worry about the contenders. You don't have to worry about those that strive and those that are given to strife. If you're a child of God, God will take care of them. 
Amen. God will curse that. God is not going to make that fruitful. You don't have to take up for yourself all the time. You don't even have to worry with all that stuff. Amen. You just keep on walking. You keep on following God. You stay in the blessed path, and God will take care of you. He said, I'll curse your enemies. I'll curse the ones that come against you. I'll curse the ones that try to hold you back and hold you down. Amen. Because when you're, when at the end of the day, you're always going to emerge from whatever trial, from whatever test, from whatever situation, you're going to come out on top. Amen. They may try to hold you back, but you're going to pop to the surface every time. You're going to come out victorious every time. That ought to make somebody real happy here to know that I, I may be resisted at times, but that, that isn't going to be the end of the day. That isn't going to be how it's going to end up. I'm telling you, I'm a blessed child of God if I'll follow him. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. You know, I've kind of always tried to live with the philosophy that if God called me to do something, if God has ordered for me to do something, and if his anointing's on my life, then I don't have to focus on those that oppose and those that are against and the negative and all of those things. I just let God take care of that. And we're going to preach his word. We're going to do his will and keep marching forward. Praise God. And that's the attitude that Abraham had. It is. And it seems like in whatever situation that he finds himself in, it doesn't matter how bad the odds are against him, that he always lands on his feet. Amen. I'm going to tell off on myself just a little bit, but I suppose every young child has done this. But uh, one time I brought a cat home with me, and it was a female. And before I knew it, I think I had 22 cats. And some of them, because they, we couldn't get to them, uh, we couldn't domesticate them. Uh, they didn't mind eating our food, but they didn't want us to pet them. And they'd fuzz up at you and, and uh, run from you. and I, I mean, it was a mess. We had cats everywhere. And my dad was like, you got to do something about all these cats. But, you know, uh, we had a loft in a, in a barn there. And uh, I, please, don't, don't tell Peter or any of those people that I did this. But uh, stand on that loft. I, I, I'd always heard that cat lands on his feet. And so I position it all different ways and sure enough it was right it never it wasn't real high but I'd, I'd let it go and and the thing would land you didn't matter what position that it found itself in it would always land on its feet it just had a sense for that amen well that was the way it was for this man that was blessed Abraham didn't matter how life tried to drop him he always landed on his feet whatever the challenge was he always landed in the blessings of God no matter what enemy came against him he always was able to stand up when the when the dust settled and say I'm still here I'm still serving God I'm still in the path of righteousness I'm still looking for that city I'm still doing Doing the will of the Lord. Praise God. And, and so, so he always lands on his feet. I mean, you take 
the situation when, when he brought Lot along with him. And because of being connected to Abraham, again, Lot was, was blessed. And there arose a dispute among the herdsmen of Abraham and the herdsmen of Lot. And because of this dispute, Abraham went to Lot. It, it reached a fevered pitch, and he finally said, I've had enough of this. He said, let there be no strife between you and me. He said, matter of fact, I'm going to offer you a choice. He said, look at the land. You go to the uh, right, I'll, I'll go to the left. You go to the left, I'll go to the right. It doesn't matter uh, when you're a blessed person, you're going to land on your feet. God's going to take care of you. It doesn't matter how bad it looks over here and, and how much of a desert it is and how dry and arid it looks and what the terrain may seem like. Uh, if I'm a child of God, God can make a rose bud in the midst of a desert, the Bible says. Uh, amen. He can cause it to flourish. He can cause things uh, to happen that don't even seem possible. So he said, Abra or a lot, I'm going to let you choose. I'm going to let you go the direction that you want to go. And of course, Lot, looking through uh, logical eyes, looking through eyes of the flesh, looks out there, see the well-watered plains of Jordan, and he said, man, this right here is a no-brainer. This right here is uh, the only logical decision. I mean, I've got herds and flocks and all these things, and that's a well-watered plain that looks like the best place for me to go. He said, I'm going to choose this direction. And he pitched his tent, the Bible said, towards Sodom. And Abraham said, well, I'll just take what's left. It looks like a dry desert. But it was right after he separated himself from Lot that God reiterated his promise to Abraham and told him it didn't matter what it appears to you. It may appear dry. It may appear like there's no hope here. It may appear like there's no way possible for you to survive in this place. But I am still going to bless you in spite of it all. And he began to dig. And as he began to dig, the Bible says that he found water even in a desert place. You know, sometimes you can't look around to what it looks like and what it seems like and even what it feels like. You just got to go ahead and do things in faith that is pleasing to God no matter what it feels like to you and your flesh. You got to keep digging down and say, God, I know you said in your word that you was going to bless me. I know you said in your word that things was going to turn out okay. I know I'm following you in faith and I, I can't see it, but God, I'm going to dig down deep. I'm going to do what you call me to do. And you can make wells to spring out of the desert place. You, oh God, can cause water to flow where it seems impossible for it to come from. Hallelujah. Come on now. Let's worship the Lord together. Come on. Let's really give some praise to the Lord. So when he starts digging God... Amen, allows there to be wells. And even that choice of Lot that seems like such a good choice at first turns out that it wasn't such a good choice. And God actually has to use Abraham to bail him out. I'm going to tell you, you can tell you're a mature child of God when somebody has done you wrong and somebody has, has taken a stand in a certain way and, and opposed you, and when the time comes, you are forgiving enough to go and to help them and to share your blessings with them. And that's exactly what Abraham did. 
he, he, he was not willing to just let Lot perish because of his decision. He could have said, hey, buddy, you made that decision. You made that choice. That's what you decided to do, and so you're going to have to live with it. But he didn't have that kind of attitude. Rather, he said, I, I, want, I want him to be spared. We know the deal where he interceded and, and he talked and bargained with God that God would spare the city and how that uh, he, he talked with the angels that would be commissioned to go down uh, to Sodom. And he pled with them and he, and he talked with them. So Abraham was a man that was mature enough to share his blessings uh, even though uh, he had had to dig to get them and even though it had been through some hardships and challenges that he came about receiving them, he was willing to share them when he got them. And a part of the blessing of Abraham, I'm getting to where I want to go, uh, is that he said that his seed or his sons would be blessed. Now, in the eyes of God, we know that that Abraham really only had one son in the eyes of God. But you know the story of how that they devised a plan, got ahead of God, and as a result, Ishmael was born. And Ishmael, we know uh, that God did make some promises to Ishmael. It says that he was going to be a wild man. And I think we could all concur that we are still dealing with the effects of those decisions and this plan that was devised way back then, thousands and thousands of years ago, by Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar. This, this plan that was devised is still a conflict that is going on between Arab and Jew. And these are half-brothers, and they have been resisting and opposing one another throughout time. And the Bible says that they were at odds with their brothers all of their days. And these and this sons of Ishmael and these tribes of Ishmael, they would be wild men. And so we, we understand here that, that while there was a partial blessing, if you want to say it that way, and there was some things that God had promised that he would do to take care of Ishmael, he had a part of Abraham in him, but he didn't have, of course, the full blessing and the anointing of God upon his life. And we read right here in our text that he gave all, Abraham gave all in chapter 25, verse 5, that he had unto Isaac. But then it goes on, and it seems to almost contradict that, and it says, to the sons of the concubines which Abraham had, Abraham gave gifts and sent them away from Isaac his son while he yet lived. He said, I'm going to take care of this while I'm still alive. I'm going to give them a little portion. I'm going to give them some gifts, some material things. And it seems like this world is so caught up in material things. They put so much on material things. And material things seem to be the thing that satisfies. Amen. But you know what? That's pretty shallow when you think about it. Because you, you may get a new truck, but it's going to rust out. And you may get a new house, but the paint's going to peel after a while. And you, 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 may, you may get 
a little bit more money, but there's going to be bigger bills and, and things are going to happen. That's, that's pretty shallow to only think in terms of the material thing. And it seems like these uh, sons of the concubines or Ishmael and the tribes uh, that were associated with him, it seems like they lived in that shallow realm that if we can just get a few gifts from Abraham, I mean, he's a wealthy man. He's got herds, he's got flocks, he's got money, he's got everything he needs. If we can just get a little inheritance from him, that'll satisfy us. But the Bible says that he gave Isaac all. And I have to believe that he gave Isaac more than just material things. I have to believe that he passed something on to him. And we see it in the, in the, in the chapters that uh, succeed this, the scripture that I read to you. In the very next chapter, we see that Isaac is faced with some of the very same things that Abraham was faced with. And because uh, Abraham had passed on more to him than just uh, some herds and just some flocks and just a little bit of money. He gave him more than just an inheritance of material things, uh, but he gave him a spiritual inheritance. Uh, he passed on to him a walk with God. He passed on to him a legacy of faith uh, so that when Isaac was faced with some challenges of his own, that he had the ability to respond appropriately to them. Because when the money runs out and when the house falls down and when the car rusts out and quits running, amen, you're going to need more than just a few material things. You're going to need some faith to keep you. Come on, parent, pass something down more than just a few dollars. Lay up for your children more than just treasures on earth. But try your very best to pass your faith down. Try your very best to pass something down to the next generation that'll keep them when they're faced to fight the same devils that you fought and that you've encountered, that they'll be able to stand up against them. They'll be able to face them themselves. Hallelujah. Praise God. So he said, I'm going to give some things. I'm going to give some things. So we see in the very uh, first verse of chapter 26, the scripture says that there was a famine in the land. And it says this. It makes a very, uh, draws a line here of distinction. It says, besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. It may be similar, but this is not the same famine. This is this generation's struggle. This is the thing that, uh, uh, that they're going to have to be faced with that's going to challenge their faith. Amen. And so Isaac is going to have to face a famine. And you know something? When famine comes, all of the things that you have, it seems like people that have something, when famine comes, they stand the most to lose. I mean, you know, the recent uh, economic crisis, it didn't affect those on, on, on welfare. And I'm not against those that have to be on welfare. I'm just saying it didn't, it didn't affect those that are, that are in that situation like it did somebody that, that had assets and had some, some things laid up. That's the person, the person that had stocks. That's the person that was affected. The person that had some, some savings laid up in a... Um, IRA, that's the person that was impacted by the economic setback. Amen. And so uh, if you had herds and a famine came, those cows are going to get skinny. 
And there's going to be challenges. There's going to be problems because no longer is there harvest and no longer is there food for the cattle. And uh, water is the, is the reason why the lack of water, the lack of rain is the reason why there's a famine in the first place. And so uh, chances are there's less watering places. And, and so cattle and flocks, they're dying and there's a struggle that is going on. And in the midst of this famine, it says that Isaac did a very unusual thing. It says that he sowed seed in the time of famine. Now, I mean, anybody that's got any sense got to scratch their head and look at that and wonder why in the world would you plant in a time when there's no rain, in a drought, in a famine time? Why would you, why would you go through all the trouble to try uh, to teal up the dirt that is basically dust and try to plant something in it it's not extensive it's not going to it's not going to uh, receive uh, uh, the seed it's it's not but you know we're talking about a blessed man here we're talking about a man that God works for. We're, we're, we're talking about a man that he, in the face of anything, if he keeps following God and following his faith, God is going to take care of him no matter what it looks like. And so while everybody else is saving their seed, he said, put it in the ground. While everybody else is holding back, he said, put it out there. Just do what you can. Plow the ground. Put the seed in the ground. And the Bible said that he not only blessed him with a harvest, but it says that it was a hundred foe. Amen. We're talking about big time blessing. In the midst, in the same year that there's famine going on, he not only sows, and I'm sure there's people that are saying, hey, I've been a, I've been a farmer. I've been a person that's worked uh, uh, the ground for many years. This doesn't make sense. Let me tell you how it's done, Isaac. He said, well, I'm just going to do what God tells me to do because he's the one that sits on the circle of the earth. So I'm just going to let God, who's in control of everything, take care of this. I don't know how it's going to get watered. I don't know how it's going to grow. I don't know how it's going to germinate in the ground. I don't know how it's going to be taken care of, but I'm just going to trust God with it, and I'm going to sow. Amen. I come to preach to somebody here tonight. You may be in a dry place. You may be in a place when everything in you is saying, just hold up. Amen. Draw back. Hold the ground you got. Save your energy. Save your strength. Don't do anything. Amen. That will put yourself out. Don't take any risk. But that is not faith, my friends. Faith says I may not feel like it, but I'm still going to come to the house of God and I'm still going to worship. I'm still going to sing. I'm still going to rejoice. I may be going through some sad circumstances, but I'm still going to put joy in my voice. I'm still going to give a shout of praise unto God. I'm still going to glorify the name of the Lord as a somebody that's got faith to sow, even in a famine. Is a somebody that's got enough faith to praise Him, even in a dry place. You've got enough faith that'll say, I am going to lift up the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Come on, let's give praise to the Lord. Just take a few moments here and let's give praise unto the Lord. He sows in a place of famine. And then the Bible said that the enemy had come along after Abraham had died and filled the wells. 
You know, that's that kind of crazy to me that they would stop up the wells that could have served them and that could have helped them. But nevertheless, they filled them up with earth, the Bible says. And Isaac comes along and he goes down into a valley, again, a place that is not conducive, a place where, I mean, in a time of famine, it's, you get it down in a valley. Anybody ever been through Death Valley? It's a dry gorge down in there. I was, uh, not too long ago, we went to the Grand Canyon, and uh, there was people that was talking about going down on them trails down the Grand Canyon. You better take some water with you because chances are you probably can't carry enough. And uh, you better know where all the stops are where you can replenish your bottles of water because it's a dry place down there. It's a long ways back out. And a lot of people are fooled when they get down there. And it's just stale air down there and dry and hot and the temperature. It may be cool when you start out in the morning, but it's going to get hot about midday. And then after you've been depleted of all your strength, then it's going to get cold because it's the desert. And there's nothing to absorb that heat and keep that heat in and you love to freeze to death overnight and be out there with all the mountain lions and the coyotes and everything else. You see, I'm trying to make it as scary as I can. <laughs> and so he goes down in that valley and he starts digging in the valley. And the Bible says, lo and behold, he hits a well of springing water. I remember on one of my uncle's places, he had an artesian well. And they, they'd came in and, and they'd put a, uh, some type of a PVC pipe or something down in there where that water could come up out of the ground and it was refreshing. It just flowed out. It was a springing well. But somebody had to dig around and discover that being there. He hit in the valley. He hit a well that was a springing well, springing up. And... I mean, that had to be a refreshing sight to Isaac. But you know what? These guys that were nowhere around, they didn't help dig or clean it out. They didn't help uh, in any way. They hadn't taken possession over it until he went out there and started digging. And they come and they said, that's my well. That's ours. You can't have it. Isn't that just like the enemy? He'll leave you alone as long as you stay static and dormant. You don't do anything. But the moment that you start trying to exercise faith, the moment that you start trying to do something for God, the moment you get off high center and you start applying yourself and you start praying and you start worshiping, that's when he comes. That's when he attacks. That's when he starts trying to strive against you. That's when he fights you the most. And that's a good indication that you're doing the right thing. You know, a lot of times people take hardship and say, well, you know what, I, I must be out of the will of God because I've had a little hardship. No, that might mean that you are in the will of God. Because the devil don't mess with people that are not doing anything. The devil doesn't try to stop somebody that hadn't even got started. Amen. But when you're doing something for God, you can expect a little resistance. But remember, Isaac, what Abraham taught you, that if you're following after God, you don't have to worry. God's going to take care of you. God is going to help you. You just keep on digging. That's right. He said, oh, well, 
you know what? I'll just go over here. I'll just go over here. And he went to another place, the scripture says. And he began to dig in that place. And the Bible, it calls that place Essex or Esek. It calls it Esek. And he begins to dig a well in Esek. And when I looked up the word Esek, it means contention. Yet he keeps digging in this place even though he's being contended against. Praise the Lord. And he just keeps on striving and digging and trying. And uh, though he's being resisted, though he's encountered enemies that are trying to to get him to give up and to quit, uh, he just keeps on digging until he cleans that well up and there's water that is flowing. He gets all the earth, uh, the rocks, uh, the clutter that has been cast down of that well. He digs it all out uh, until the water is flowing fresh again because God has blessed this man of faith and he understands that if I'm going to have victory I can't stop if I'm going to have victory I can't quit I can't give up I can't can't just say well that's enough if I keep digging God will keep blessing and if I keep putting my effort into it God will take care of me And so they come and they contend with him about this well. But he keeps on digging until he gets it cleaned out. And the Bible says this. It says that he called the names of these wells after the names which his father had called them. In other words, he didn't try to change it from the previous generation. And he went back to the same places and the same source where water was found before. There's a message in that somewhere to tell us as this generation that we, if we're going to have revival, we're not going to have it in a new way. It's still going to take prayer. It's still going to take faith. It's still going to take consecration. It's still going to take holy living. It's still going to take people that are willing to sacrifice, that are willing to give, that are willing to work. It's still going to take people that are willing to come to church faithfully. It's still going to take people that are willing to worship God in spite of feelings, in spite of emotions, and come to the house of the Lord and lift up their voices and praise to God. Come on, somebody hear me preach tonight. That's what it takes to find water. That's what it takes to have the resources. That's where the anointing is. That's where the blessing is. You see, the devil wants you to stop digging. That's why he keeps showing up. That's why he keeps coming against you. He wants you to stop. But there's somebody in this place that's got your mind made up. You're determined in your spirit. You're just hard-headed enough in your faith. You'll say, no, I'm not going to quit digging. I'm going to keep on digging for the blessing. I'm going to keep on digging for revival. I'm going to keep on digging until my prayer's answered. I'm going to keep on digging digging until my healing comes. I'm going to keep on digging until blessings begin to be poured out in my life. Oh, come on. Let's really lift up our voice to the Lord. Yeah. Well, I needed some props tonight. I got me a shovel. It looks like it's a pretty new shovel. Matter of fact, Looks like it's got a pretty sharp point on the end there. Been out in the weather just a little bit. Doesn't look like it's been overly used. I'll tell you that. I don't know whose this is. 
but they hadn't been wearing it out. I think I see a cobweb or two on it. Rust forming on the blade. And I'm just joking a little bit. But I'd made up my mind that I didn't want no brand new shovel brought out here for this prop. I had to find somebody had a used shovel. And God knows I didn't have one. Praise God. No, I have a shovel. Just just thought of this on the way to church. But anyway, I won't tell who I got it from. Praise God. Protect the innocent. But the devil, he wants you to stop. He wants you to quit. He wants you to give up. He wants you to accept things as they are. You know, life has a way. It don't happen overnight. And this is just what I feel. I'm just going to preach how I feel. Amen? Because I feel like I've been there at times myself. So I feel like I can identify. You know, there's somebody told me not too awful long ago, said, you, you kind of changed a little bit. I said, well, my God. I was thinking to myself, my Lord. First of all, I'm a good bit older. Second of all, I've been down the tracks a little further. Third of all, I've been to Hades and back. Amen? And so, uh, you know, that has a way of changing you a little bit. Praise God. Well, anyhow, the devil, he knows that he couldn't get the majority of this congregation. You're not going to leave here tonight and go here to the Fat Jacks on the way home. Well, some of you act like you might by your response. I don't know. Is it that bad, the preaching that terrible? If you keep that expression up, I may need to go by there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> may get that bad. Praise God. If it gets that bad, we're all going to go home. Praise the Lord. No, I've never had a problem with Fat Jacks or anything they serve there. Never. But anyway... Uh, where was I before I got off on that foolish illustration? It, it, he knows he's not going to be able to get you to do that. I doubt anybody's going to leave here tonight, leave this church service, and just say, man, I can't handle it no more. i got to go by and do this and fulfill this sin and fulfill this desire, this temptation. I, I, I doubt that is going to happen. And for the majority of us, he's given up on getting us to do certain things like that. But he's got other ways because he is a crafty devil. He's got other ways of getting in our spirit and, and, then, and then just pounding on us. The Bible talks about the spirit of the last day. It said it would wear out the saints of the Most High. It would wear them out. So he wants to wear you down and struggle. He, you, you go through certain things that are, that are situations that are just part of life. And, you know, there's, there's struggles. With, you can be seated. There's struggles with, uh, I, I'm saying that because I want you to reserve your energy because I want you to be able to get back up here in just a little bit. Help me preach. Amen. But anyhow, uh, there, there, there's situations and struggles in life, financial, uh, 
health. I mean, walking with God in faith. There's just things that comes along. We got to admit that after a while, those things has a way of of uh, bombarding us and taking a little bit at a time out of us. That's why it's so important that we be replenished, that we be restored, that we have. Uh, times of refreshing like the Bible said. Here was a book of Acts church that was a powerful church but it still needed times of refreshing the Bible says. It doesn't matter how strong and, and great you are as a child of God. You still need renewal. You still need refreshing. You still need God to touch you brand new again. You still need to come back to the altar and get it just like you got it the first time. You need to speak in tongues again. You need to let the Lord refreshing winds blow upon you again. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Praise the Lord. And, and uh, there's times when you feel like the wind's blowing you back and couldn't get any better and you're floating on clouds. But there is also times when, just to be honest, that you're in that valley and you're digging. And Isaac said, you know what? There's some more wells that's got to be cleaned out. And we're not going to stop here, but we're going to keep. I know every place we've been, it seems like the devil, or the enemy rather, has fought us. And for in our case, it would be the devil has fought us. Amen. I know every, every well that we've tried to clean out, it seems like there's been an enemy that's showed up. When we started digging, they showed up and started fighting against us. They started resisting us. Amen. I'm going to just tell you again, that's a good sign. That's not a bad sign. That's a sign to tell you that at the end of this struggle, there's something worth fighting for. There's something that's worth having or the devil wouldn't be on your back like he is. He wouldn't be trying, amen, to stop you like he is if there wasn't a blessing that was going to come out of this. Well, I feel like somebody ought to just take a moment right now and say, you know what? I'm going to keep it up. I'm going to get devil. If you come to discourage me, I've come to tell you I'm going to keep it up. Keep on digging. So he went from Esek, he went over to Sitnak. He said, right here, Daddy had a well. They got to digging and cleaning out the old things that had been cluttering up that well and got to digging down and digging and re-digging. And, and Scripture says that there was enemies that strove against him there. Matter of fact, Sitnak means strife. It means Opposition. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be strife. But he just kept digging. I don't find any place that he tried to engage the enemy necessarily. I don't find any place in this where he, he, he got off and got distracted by all of that. The Bible just indicates this man, he, he didn't even really have a much of a response for the enemy. He just kept doing what God told him to do. He just kept digging where God told him to dig. And that should be our response. You see, the devil wants us to get all confused and get over here and start trying to take up for ourselves and do this, that, and the other and try to explain this and try to explain that when really all we need to do is stay right where we are, stay focused on what we're to be focused on, keep on in faith, keep digging, keep praying, keep worshiping, keep believing God, keep extending our faith, keep doing what God has called us to do. Just keep on digging. And when he moved from that place and they'd been striving with him, things started getting a little bit better for him. He went to Rehoboth. 
And the Bible said they dug a well or re-dug a well there. And Ribot means a broad place. And Isaac realized God is opening up some things for us. I could see while we may be weary, we're not the only ones that's weary. I could see that the enemy is getting tired of fighting us. I could see that the enemy is getting a little bit discouraged because every time it tries to stop our project, every time it tries to shut us down, we just keep on digging. We keep on doing what God has told us to do. And he can't stop somebody that's determined. He can't stop somebody that's got their mind made up. He can't stop somebody that won't quit tries to beat you down you come to the house of God and you throw your hands back up in the air and he shakes his head and says how in the world are they still worshiping when I try to beat them down through the week when I try to tell them every lie that I could tell them when I try to condemn them and I try to accuse them and I try to tell them that they can't be successful in living for God but here they are they're still digging He said, we're not through yet. He went down to Beersheba. And he said, there's another well. We're going to dig here. And he started digging a well there. And they were successful in cleaning out that well. Till finally, finally the scripture tells me that the enemy came down the king of the Philistines and said, hey, let's have a conference here. Let's have a little uh, committee meeting of, of sorts. We need to make an oath. He said, uh, if you'll make a promise not to hurt us, uh, we won't lay a hand on you. Matter of fact, we want this to be peaceful. We want a truce because we've tried to do everything we can to stop you, to hinder you, and to keep you from doing it. And you still succeeded. You you still came out on top. You still landed on your feet. You still kept digging. We tried to discourage you, and you got your shovels out and went to the next place and dug another well. So we give up. We just want there to be peace between us. We just want to call a truce right now. In other words, we're just going to leave you alone. Oh, I feel like preaching right now. I'm not going to be much longer. I'm coming in for a landing right now. But I'm telling somebody in this house, that's the attitude that you've got to get. You've got to make up your mind. I'm going to get another grip on my shovel. I'm going to sharpen the edges one more time. Amen. I'm going to get the cobwebs off my shovel. I'm not going to let him retire my shovel. I'm not going to let him... Get me out of the game. I'm not going to be distracted or discouraged or dissuaded in the least. But I'm going back. It may be in a valley that I have to dig. It may be during a famine that I have to dig. I may have to dig through some things in my flesh. I may have to dig some things out of my flesh. Whatever it is, I'm willing to dig until I hit some wells of water. Until I clean out some throw that God can bless and God can move. I'm not going to quit digging until the devil leaves me alone. I'm not going to stop until he makes up his mind. Amen. That I might as well give up on them because they're not going to give up on God. They're going to keep on praying. They're going to keep on... Come on, where you at, church? I'm going to keep on trusting God. I'm going to keep on believing the Lord in the face of hell. I'm going to dig until he leaves me alone. Praise God. Praise God. Stand with me right now.